Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dustin, how was your weekend and are you all ready to get back to work here with Penn State football? Oh man, we're about to dive into August here. So that is, and this is the third time I'm making this point. It's not new. I think it's just going to land on new ears, hopefully, but uh, Big Ten Media Days kind of is an indicator that July is ending, August is beginning, training camp is on its way, then the season's on its way. So there's a lot of symbolism, I think, in the, in August 1st coming up on whatever it is, Tuesday. So I'm I'm excited, man. It, it definitely brings a close to – it starts to bring a close, I should say, to just the slow part of the football cycle and really gets the season – you know, it's, it's out there. It's all you can see it on the horizon now. It, it does. It is that landmark. It is that indicator. And as you said, it, it was like every conference had their media days. And, and you know what, Dustin, with the media day, there's always a few things you could count on, right? Everybody's unbridled enthusiasm, right? You know, and it's sure. like, and yeah, and everybody, every team, the players worked hard all summer. We're gonna have competition at every position. The media will ask some dumb question that's off the topic, that's not about football. Yep. And Pat Narduzzi will put his foot in his mouth. These are things you could all count on at media days. Uh, yeah, I mean, media ask you. You mentioned one singular dumb question. I would say there's there's going to be multiple, and <laughs> and part of it is it's just my idea of what what media days are uh, is a pretty self important event. Um, access is, is everything. And, you know, a lot of people, you haven't had access to the coach in a while, or you haven't had access to the players in a while. So that's good. But then you're there and there's all these other important figures there from other programs. And you're trying to get content that capitalizes on what those opportunities are, but it's hard to make people care. You know, it's, it's hard to make people care. It's hard to ask like Ohio state players, like what they think about Penn state. Like, yeah, maybe that's some, but you just don't get much out of it. If if we're being honest about it, Uh, we're going to sit here and we're going to assess what James Franklin had to say and and all that. And that's great. I I don't think he said anything earth shattering, but a lot of, you know, some interesting stuff. And as you mentioned, this is not big 10 media days, but Pat Narduzzi Pitt's coach just doesn't really. and, And this is what I'll say about him. He said, uh, that that he talked about Christian Veyu coming in from Penn State. He had a lot of learning to do with their with their playbook because he came from a one word offense at Penn State, and he said he didn't mean it to be an offense to Penn State. But the 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 thought to me is that this guy walks around constantly with Penn State on his mind. Penn State is on his mind all the time, and I really sincerely believe that he thinks. Um, Penn State's not coached better than Pitt. They not, not, and it's not that Penn State's lucky. They just have more players. And I, I mean, from last I checked, that was part of coaching anyway. But I think that he just doesn't have a lot of respect for the coach and the staff that James Franklin is and the, that James Franklin has. Clearly, in his mind, they're not the hardcore football coaches that he and his staff are, or else you don't say something like this. 
See, does he, I think it's not just Penn State. I think he has an overall inferiority complex. D- did you see his quote about the Big Ten versus the ACC? I did. The ACC, actually. the ACC has better. Play. He coached, you know, in the Big Ten, and now he's in the ACC. And you know who has better players? The ACC. No offense to the Big Ten. Yeah, but we're better. He, no offense he, to Penn State, we're better. No, Pat, no, you're not, and neither is your conference. Man, that is – inferiority complex, that, that might be it. Um, overblown confidence, uh, I think that's it. Uh, lost sense of reality, absolutely. <laughs> if you're saying the ACC from top to bottom has more talent than the Big Ten – you are not on this planet. And that, do you, do you know what? Here's the thing with both of these things that he talked about. You know, he could have said, hey, I coached in the Big Ten. Really good conference. People know it. It's true. I come to the ACC. You know what? We got really good players here, too. Yeah. A lot of people don't know it, but they're here. Trust me. You do it that way. You're not putting down the Big Ten, but you're enhancing your conference. Yeah. Same thing here with Narduzzi. If you want to say, you know what, uh, value. He came from a good program. We run a different offense though than Penn State, so he's going to have some catching up to do. But we think he's a great fit for us. I think he's yeah. a great fit for this offense. That's how you do it. You don't say. What did he call it? a one-word offense? Yeah. I don't even know what that means. What's that I one think, word, Pat? I think I I don't think he has a lot of respect for an offense that comes to the line of scrimmage, um, assesses what the defense is doing, and then adjusts or makes its play call from from there. I think that's I, I think that's what he's kind of indicating there. And you know. Uh, <laughs> You give a caveman an inferiority complex, and this is what happens. Like he can't say anything with nuance. He can't say anything. Like you can make you make the exact same point. Like to, to say the ACC has more talent is a provably false statement that detracts from what you're really trying to say is that the ACC has more talent than it gets credit for. So say that. But he he you you mix all that up in a blender, and it comes out as this like false bravado, like uh, something, there's just something wrong with this man. <laughs> I mean, if, if we want to bottom line it, there's just something wrong with this man. Yeah. And you know, and this one word offense, didn't they, uh, Penn state a few years ago, put up like half a hundred on them. Yeah. And he's a defensive guru. Anyway, let, <laughs> the, let, the, let, two, let, two, James Franklin had two words for him. Then it was suck it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think if given the opportunity, James Franklin would do that again. If he could run up a score, he would. Anyway, speaking of James Franklin, let's move on to him. Uh, the coach of the Penn State Nittany Lions. Several topics that he hit. And the first one, Dustin, is the quarterback competition. Drew Aller, Bo Prabula fighting it out tooth and nail. Who's your money on to win that competition? 
It's still too close to call, Jim. Now, and this this drew like if you look at sort of some of the blogs out there that take some of these little snippets, they they turn it into there was a, a hint of mockery in it because it's such a foregone conclusion, right? Like ev- everybody can assume. Um, but you know, like I think what Franklin is doing, it's commendable, right? Like it's it's saying Drew Aller has to earn everything he has, even though he's got a lead because he started with a lead. He ended the last training camp with a lead. He did some really good things as a freshman. He burned his red shirt. Every sign points to him being the starter, but we want to make sure that Bo Perbola ha- knows that he's got a chance. You know, maybe, maybe it's not a high percentage chance, but he, he, we want it to be an open competition because it benefits both players. I get it. I, I understand that, but it, it is kind of hard to take that seriously um, and I think just with the way that James Franklin sells points like this with such sincerity, you know, like an, o- like an overdose of sincerity that the competition's open, you know, I ever, everybody gets it, you know, you're not handing anything out in this program. You have to earn it. Bo Perbola has done nice things. You, you love him as part of your program. Everybody knows what's going on here. And so there's just a hint of mockery, I think to this. And I think probably for good reason, but I understand what he's doing with it. It's got to be signed, sealed, and delivered. It's got to be earned when it when it counts the most. I get all that. But to say it's an open competition, it, it is hard not to kind of laugh about that a little bit. Well, you know, a couple thoughts on this, Dusty. What I don't like is then the, the inconsistencies where he says, well, the better we have a – the sooner we have a decision, the better. Coach – I had the decision the day after the Rose Bowl. Okay, we knew who the starter was. If you the decision was last it, year, uh, it was a right. year ago when you named him the backup. That's when yes. that's when the lead was taken for the for the quarterback job. It, exactly, and then when he was at you know, oh, it's a competition every year. No, I do not remember him talking about Sean Clifford competing. You know, each one <laughs> yeah. of these years when he's you know his eighth year as the starter, I think it was defaulted to Sean. That's the other thing. And and finally, I'm I'm a huge James Franklin advocate. I think he does most everything correctly. If I do have a criticism of him though, is I think sometimes he does the um he kind of I don't want to say coaches by the numbers but he has a thought in his head that this is the right way to do it. And in his book that he has, somewhere it says, when you don't have an incumbent starter, you say it's a competition to the last moment to give the backup guy hope, which is a good thing. You make the starter compete for it, which is a good thing. And by all standards, that's all good stuff. However, in this kind of situation... It's, who are you kidding, James? You know, we know, Drew Aller knows, and his heart of heart, Bo Perbola knows. He knows, who that everybody knows. Gonna be. And the image that it conjures up, at least like on a national level, is that, you know, James Franklin might as well have that yellow and black book in front of him that says, coaching press conferences for idiots. You know, like, the, and th- this is the talking point. You do not back away from it. You stick to it. You say it again and again and again. The more conviction you say it with, the more believable it is. And he just keeps going that way. He's usually got a pretty good finger on the pulse. And I, I can appreciate his insistence on this. But 
you know, everybody knows the deal. As you said, everybody knows the deal. And just because it's not 100% set in stone, it's like 90% set in stone, maybe more than 90%. So you don't have to call it like an open competition. Yes. And he could, you know, how we talked about um, Pat Narduzzi and said, there's a better way to say this. Is yeah. You can say, hey, look, Drew Aller was the number two. He's the incumbent. But you know what? Yeah, he's going to start out listed as number one, but that doesn't guarantee he'll be number one. Right. He's got to right. earn it every day at practice, and Bo Perbula is doing great things, and that keeps Drew alert every day. He knows he's got to compete to stay number one. And, and I, I don't think, think it's the same point. It's not this, It's not a slight to Bo Perbula, and I don't think you would take it that way of saying, like, look, Bo's got his foot in the door. Drew's got the opportunity to slam the door on, on the competition. He was, he was our number two last year, performed well in that responsibility. He earned that number two job. So, yeah, he begins the summer with a lead. Bo's got, we're giving Bo an opportunity to close, to close the gap, in other words. Exactly. All right, very good, Dusty. But he, a whole lot more to go from media days, and we'll pick this up in quarter number two. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He's Dustin Hawkinsmith. We are at quarter number two. And we're talking about everything that went on uh, Big Ten Media Days last week. We start well. We got sidetracked with Pat Narduzzi from the ACC Media Day because, well, it's it's Pat Narduzzi. He's yeah. gonna say something for us. And really, you know what? Thank you, Pat, for saying something really stupid. So we have something to talk about. And but don't 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 you don't you admire somebody who's sell, so um, self confident that they can say similar things over and over and over again, get belittled publicly, get picked on get teased and it not affect his confidence at all like i had you know in a weird way i admire that in a way 
Well, yeah, to be so confident and so unaware at the same time. At the same time. That is an incredible skill set. That's, that's, ca- that's caveman stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, but he has it. Anyway, let's move on. We talked about James Franklin uh, saying he still had a quarterback competition. It was interesting, though, also he talked about what question marks were still on this Penn State roster. And he started with the defensive backs. And, Dusty, when you start out by saying, hey, we lost Joey Porter and Jair Brown, you'd think, hey, maybe that is the case. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think when it comes to, like, if you, if you group the safeties and cornerbacks together, no collective group on Penn State's roster lost more playmaking, I would say, than, than that group. You know, star power, legitimate star power. They, the, the whole defense lost two big-time playmakers there, and he, he summarized it to that effect. But in general, I would say I, I agree with the way that Franklin uh, framed it with, with the team, saying that they've got less question marks now across the board than they have in, in a while. And that's 100% fair. And I think, you know, it's a lot easier to stand up there and say something like that when you're much more sure of your offensive line. You know, if that particular area is not a question mark in your mind as a coach, it just seems like you can manage everything else, you know, but if you can't block, uh, it, it, it's hard to be confident that you, it, it's hard to be confident that your team is going to score points no matter what they've got. But you think about what they do have, and I'll circle back around the de- defensive backs because I do have some thoughts in that area, but you have that offensive line. You have a proven, dynamic, strong, diverse running game. You have that. You've got linebackers who are all over the field. You've got um, a defense that can disrupt probably better than any other Penn State defense under James Franklin with Manny Diaz there. You've got a lot of things, uh, a lot of ingredients in terms of winning a Big Ten title. You've got a lot of those, and you're pretty confident in those. The In terms of the, the defensive backfield, it softens a blow that Kalen King is so ready to maybe even be better than Joey Porter Jr. this year. That helps. Now, you know, there's a trickle-down effect because Kalen King was your number two. He's now number your, your number one. Uh, Johnny Dixon was your three. Now he's your two. So there are some questions at the cornerback spot. Uh, you obviously don't have that one-two punch anymore that, that makes it really hard for other teams. Uh, at the safety position, yeah, Jair Brown's full range of playmaking ability needs to be made up for somehow, some way. And, you know, Zachy Wheatley has some of that. Uh, he mentioned Keaton Ellis kind of getting back to himself again and and being a true athletic playmaking threat. That would be a big, uh, a big win for Penn State if that's what Keaton Ellis shows up doing. Uh, you have some talent at, at safety. KJ Winston can be a really, really good safety. Jalen Reed can be a really, really good safety. You lose a little bit of that playmaking edge on the back end, but I think you make up for it in some ways by make, having so many different types of playmakers in that front seven. The three, the trio of edge rushers and Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs. I mean, that that's a group of guys that can, uh, it shifts the strengths a, a little bit. You're stronger up front than you are in the back end, which is a different from last year. But I don't know if they have more questions overall as a defense. That's just a particular question. And I think they're pretty well equipped to answer. Well, I think that they played without Joey Porter late in the season last year. And King... And Johnny Dixon, I think, were really up to the the challenge. 
And I do believe that Kalen King will be better than Joey Porter. Having those two, I think what you lose out, though, is the depth by having Johnny Dixon as your third guy. If something would happen to one of those two, I don't think they'll be... Last year, something happened to Joey Porter. So what? They were fine. you know. Yeah. And that's no disrespect to Joey Porter Jr., who was really good. But Johnny Dixon filled in, and I don't think we saw a downfall. If one of these two, I'm not as confident if one of these two goes down. For safety, I think the depth is there, but I'm not sure there's that same top end like Jair Brown. But you you gave the names, you know, whether it's Wheatley or, you know, K.J. Winston, who we think is going to come up and make plays. Probably what's going to happen is several of those guys will lift their game. None of them will necessarily replace Jair Brown. But in the aggregate, I think they will. Yeah, so. especially when, when, you, when you play four or five of them and you have four or five pretty good ones, especially my number two overall man crush, King Mac. If you recall back to last week, uh, if, if he's involved too, uh, probably is an upgrade. Uh, your assessment at cornerback is, is spot on. You know, last year they had uh, a number one cornerback as their number two and a number two cornerback as their number three. And there was just sort of an embarrassment of riches there. You could absorb just about an injury to any of them you could absorb because you were in such a good spot. Now it's like, okay, we've got a number one as our number one and we've got a number two as our number two. It shifts the dynamic. It does call on, you know, Cam Miller to, to step up. It calls on maybe it's Elliot Washington. You're going to have to have um, at least one young player who hasn't really done it to that scale before do it uh, in order to have anything that resembles the same depth. So it's, it's almost like, an inverse of each other where you're not sure about the depth at corner, but you're pretty sure about the playmaking at the top. You're not sure about the playmaking at the top, but you're pretty sure about the depth at safety. Uh, I think, it, it, as you said, in aggregate, that's going to be a really, really good group. But the strength of, of, of the whole defense probably isn't going to be corner slash safety again. It's going to be in in the edge. And, and I think if you're as good uh, getting after the quarterback as it looks like they're going to be, it can make the entire secondary better as opposed to the other way around. When your secondary is really good, it can make your pass rush better. Uh, definitely. And I'll mention, give special mention to K.J. Winston because you know I like me some K.J. Winston. The Jimmy man crush. We're, it's all coming back to last week's show. We'll talk about our man crushes. <laughs> it, it always does, Dusty. All right, let's move on. And this is a story, the, the unrivaled. Penn State has no rival. Um, I'm going to give my thought on this one first. I think it's the biggest non-story. Yeah. All those rivals mean is they've established the schedules for 24 and 25 for some other teams that stated these are their three rivals, which means they'll play both those teams both those years. Penn State, nope, you don't have a rival. But guess what? There's three teams. You're going to play them both years. And by the time 26 comes around, you may have expanded the Big Ten and started it all over again. And I'm still of the feeling, Dusty, that um, USC is on Penn State's schedule both years for the two years. I got a feeling that's going to turn into the rivalry game because Ohio State, Michigan, and they have each other, and each one alternates with Penn State and alternates with USC, which makes it fair. Penn State, obviously the same, alternate with Ohio State and Michigan. It would seem to be fair that they lock in with the other elite team, which is USC. 
And I'm still betting that's going to happen. So this, they don't have a rival, I think is irrelevant. Well, this was the first that I think I heard James Franklin and then Pat Kraft also talked about it. And I wasn't sure where James Franklin was going to come from because, you know, in one respect, I think in terms of scheduling, uh, you make out a little bit better. Uh, you, you are, your schedule is always going to be strong enough that it's not going to be a liability when, when the college football playoff committee is assessing teams, the strength of your schedule is not going to be a liability, even though you don't play Ohio state and Michigan, both every single year, it's okay to play only one national title contender, uh, every single year. And maybe it's two with USC in, in the mix too. Um, and I, I, I got the sense that James Franklin seemed to be a okay with, with, this situation understood the nuance to it understood that Penn state was one of the newer members of the big 10 and really hadn't established uh, a rival uh, because you know, the rivals that the closest thing, the rivals that Penn state had Michigan, Ohio state, I think, I think from, you know, a competitive standpoint, like I, I always liked Penn state, Iowa games, uh, but those teams already had rivals before Penn state even joined the league. So Penn state didn't never really had a chance to develop a rival and this is the Big Ten just saying, you know, we acknowledge that and we're going to work around that. We don't have to protect any of their games because, you know, they're still going to get uh, a more than fine schedule. And if the if the initiative is, is for the Big Ten to have everybody have an appropriate st- uh, strength of schedule to make a college football playoff, to make the play, then I think they've probably achieved that. See, uh, Dust, my only uh, difference is I don't think there's any nuance here. James Franklin, I think Ryan Day was asked the same thing about playing Penn State every year and was okay with not. Very simple. It's for the same reason Georgia doesn't play Alabama every year in the Southeast Conference. In fact, they never play each other until they get to the conference championship game, at which point it doesn't matter because they're probably both going to make even a four-team playoff. But they're just not tagging each other with losses and even though it's the big, bad Southeast Conference, you look at, say, Georgia's schedule, it's not that tough, okay? So why should the Big Ten put their top teams through a gauntlet? Um, Ohio- Penn State to play Ohio State, Michigan, and USC every year, as much as, yeah, TV factor. So Ryan Day, let me translate for you what Ryan Day and James Franklin are saying. They're not saying it's okay. What they're saying is, yay, it's fantastic, <laughs> okay? Yeah. One of us has to lose that game. Now that loss goes away. It doesn't happen. So there, if if you were going to put the lie detector on them, they would be jumping up and down celebrating. There is no nuance to it. That's the yeah. simple fact, Dusty. Yeah, I, I I will stand corrected on that one. I don't know that. Yeah, I think Jane maybe they had to prevent themselves from rejoicing in the fact. But there's there's no pride points that count to say, hey, we survived the Big Ten East and we here we made it. It it doesn't matter. Surviving is what matters. It doesn't matter what you survive exactly, as long as you're still standing for that playoff. Yeah, the whole goal is, you know what? We don't want to lose to Ohio State this season, and Ohio State doesn't want to lose to Penn State this season. Guess what? If you don't play each other, you both succeed. You can't lose. <laughs> You're right. Now, I, again, there's a little bit of balance. You, you can't get away with never playing Ohio State the way Alabama never plays Georgia. But 
you don't have to do it every single year. All right, Dusty, that's it for quarter two, but a lot more to talk about from the media day. Stay tuned. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. We're laughing about some background noise going on in the Hawkinsmith household. Oh, she is Dusty, finding her voice. Territory. Yeah, there's. it doesn't matter where. That squawking can find it anywhere. And uh, my wife's trying to shush her, but it's like, it's okay. You know, it's it's it's, it's, it's part of life. You know, every, everybody's doing stuff like this at home. Squawk away. It's probably better well, than what you hear from me anyway. <laughs> That's baby Charlotte. How old is she, Dusty? Eight, eight months. Eight months. So wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be funny if I was like, yeah, she's 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs> or it would have been funnier if you said, oh, no, Jim, it's not baby Charlotte. It's either Autumn or no, it's Liz, my wife. It's Liz. Yeah, Liz. Keep it down, Liz. <laughs> Anyway, Dusty, it's quarter number three. Let's get to it. As much as I'm sure everybody wants to hear more about the Hawkinsmith household, we're talking about we're talking about the uh, media days, Big Ten media days. James Franklin uh, had a lot of different topics that he responded to, and one interesting one. Just as a reminder, last game of the season, regular season for Penn State, Penn State at Michigan State. So you typically think, well, that would be at East Lansing, you know, Thanksgiving weekend, a chance to be cold and all of that. And partially because of the new NBC contract, which surprising when NBC signs a contract saying they want every Saturday night that come a football game in November, they want it at night. Okay. Just like the contract says. So things were adjusted a bit to get, Penn State to concede and play on the road at night in late November. They moved it to indoor field in Detroit. I can't, what is the field called now? Um, I think it's just Ford. I think it's just Ford Field. 
Is it still Ford Field? But uh, that's where they're going to be playing. And James Franklin, and they're going to be playing it on Friday night instead of on Saturday. So James Franklin, you know, he conceded, well, you know, it's going to be a short week. And at the end of the year, you know, we're going to have to be dealing with bumps and bruises and all that. Yeah, not quite a sacrifice James Franklin's making here with his team, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I think this particular thing, you know, like it, it messes with his book. His preparation preparation week book, uh, you know what has to happen going Saturday to Saturday. Monday is this, Tuesday is this. It cha- he has to develop a new plan for that. I think that has bothered him since the beginning when they first started talking about having Friday night games. That will continue to bother him. But all in all, I mean, you're going from an away a true away game to more of a neutral game. Like it's close to Michigan state. I get that Penn state fans are more likely to come. You're taking a cold game out of it. You're taking home field out of it. Michigan state will be dealing with a short week too. And by the way, you know, NFL teams that play on Sunday and then play on Thursday again, playing against grown men. I mean, the, the short week thing, I get it. I understand that, but I think the concerns are greatly outweighed by the positives. I don't know. I mean, you seem to have stronger opinions maybe than I do, but I think this is just uh Franklin taking the opportunity to rail against Friday night games again. He doesn't like them. And for and and he 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 took the opportunity even though Penn State was probably a beneficiary in this situation, he still wanted to make his point clear that he doesn't like Friday night games. Well, that's what he said and what he put out there. Here's either what he meant or what he should have said if he was being honest. Again, let's put the lie detector test on. Here's here's what he should have said. Thank goodness we finally get a break from the Big Ten. The Big Ten is doing us a favor for the first time. You're getting to play indoors against Michigan State. You've got the superior talent. By taking the weather out of it, that variable, that's to your advantage, James. It's a huge advantage. Second, the fact that it's in Detroit. Penn State gets a direct flight, State College to Detroit, boom, they're there. They don't have to then have that 90-minute bus drive to East Lansing. Guess who gets that? Michigan State does. (laughs) In essence, Penn State traveling with their flight is probably comparable in time to Michigan State's busing their way over there. Then... You take it completely off the home field advantage for Michigan State. Plus, Penn State's the much deeper team. We know that. If there's bumps and bruises, who's that going to affect more? Michigan State, not Penn State. And I know we went through this when this was all announced, but James, come on. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting this this is so much to your advantage that again, just like the not playing Ohio State, I think if you gave him, you know, the truth of meter, he's doing cartwheels celebrating this, or he should well, be. Well, I think, I guess it's a coach's responsibility. Like when you win fifty six nothing, it's your responsibility to make sure your players don't get too full of themselves, to make sure you're talking about, you know, plays that you missed instead of plays that you made. I think it's the same thing here. You can't get up there and start doing cartwheels and say how great it is for your team. But, I mean, I think it's, again, why some fan bases have a hard time taking James Franklin seriously. You know, to to have a to, to, to lead off with the complaint part of it. Which, do you agree with me that this is just him filtering? It's just him 
uh, channeling his inner disdain for Friday night games. That's all this is about, you know, like, and, and I, I get it. Like the, the, the controlled environment is the same standard week game week procedure. The, the controlled environment is having an additional day to recuperate and all that stuff. But you know what? Both of you are dealing with the same thing on that. It does, it, it does mark a pretty big advantage for, for your team. And by the way, like if you think about um, the games that Penn State has lost to Michigan State, if you do take weather out of them, Penn State probably doesn't lose, you know, at least some of those games. Exactly. And you know what? It, it's not to James's advantage, and I get it, to say, hey, thank you, Big Ten, for doing this. It's a great advantage for us. But I think he could, you know, tone it down a little bit. Well, hey, I think it's a great opportunity. Yep, it's one day, one less day of prep, but both teams have it. So there's no advantage to anybody with that. What do you think? Let's just say that James Franklin was in a room with his coaching staff when this announcement was made. What do you think the reaction was? Like, I I am picturing laughter. You know, like, I don't know how they feel about Mel Tucker Jr., but I picture laughter about how Michigan State kind of got screwed on this one. Well, do you ever see either the video or the players commenting when the player says, high school recruit walks into James Franklin's office and says, I'm committing to you, coach. And he runs around the desk and he gives the player a big hug. And then he calls in the other coaches and they jump up and down and celebrate and pat, pat everybody on the back. Yeah, that's what I picture. Dusty. That, that that's this. And I can appreciate again. Just, it's the, it's the quarterback conversation all over again. I can appreciate what you're getting at James, but I don't really buy exactly what you're selling on this one. <laughs> exactly. But, but anyway, it gives us more to talk about. Let's, let's move on. And I want to put uh, two of his two different comments together. Dusty, where he talked about some of the assist, a couple assistant coaches yeah. that he doesn't always talk about, and that's Ty Howe and Dion Barnes. Ty Howe now been around a bit as the tight end coach, but he's a Penn State guy, a young guy that he you know gave him that job, and kind of now this year Dion Barnes is that same guy as Ty Howe was, young guy being given that opportunity as a position coach. And I think rightfully so, he had some really nice things to say about both of them. Yeah, you know, I, I think the Deion Barnes thing, that was probably the most honest through and through that James Franklin was, saying that essentially he was just doing Dion a favor by giving him a, an interview. There was no expectation this guy who had never been a full-time coach before was going to um, was gonna be your position coach. With the with the types of other coaches that were coming in to interview, um, NFL he, he mentioned NFL position coaches, co- established college coaches. If that's the crew that's coming in to interview, I can see where James Franklin was coming from. So Dion Barnes is kind of like a token interview uh, that blew everybody away. So the you know the moral of the story for me is that like as much as you want to think that Dion Barnes is kind of on the rise, the fact that he has this job in the first place reinforces that through and through, you know, for him to come through with not a lot of experience and, uh, and to, to make it crystal clear that he was the best man for the job. 
uh, really suggests that this this guy as a recruiter, which you've seen that pay dividends here in the last like week or so, uh, and, and as a position coach, the players really stumped for him. James Franklin said a thousand percent for him. This was to make for Dion Bars to make it uh, automatic is really a testament to him. Well, I think this is a little bit about the court, like the quarterback conversation. I think maybe James wanted Dion to win, uh, to get the position, but he wasn't going to hand it to him. Just like Drew Aller, I'm not handing you the starting job. I'm going to make you earn it. And also by bringing in all these other folks, it was a message to Dion: You're not being handed anything. You got to earn it. And if he decided somebody else gets the job, he could say, hey, look, you know, Dion, you're still young. I gave you the courtesy of the interview, but, you know, you weren't the number one choice or however that worked. I think he put himself in a position, meaning James Franklin, he could have hired outside. Maybe if someone really overwhelmed him from outside, maybe he would have gone that way. But when it ends up Dion Barnes as the guy, he could still say, Dion, you beat out everybody. And it'd be truthful because he brought him in to interview. And it also creates this great – when you hire from within or you promote from within, I should say, yeah, that's just a great feel. You knew that's what the players wanted. And I'm sure there's other people on the staff who could look at that and say, hey, that could be me one day. It sets a tremendous precedent. Three big tiebreakers. One is hiring from within – is a, is usually the best cultural move that you can make. Uh, it is the you know you do want to be known as the organization that that gives your people a chance to earn promotions. So there's that. Uh, there's also just institutional knowledge. The fact that he's a Penn State guy, the fact that he's got that community and knows the community, it can sell that, can sell his experience coming from Philadelphia to to there. There's a lot of good there too, and the fact that the players were on his side. Uh, was, was another one. So in those ways, like he had those things in his back pocket. And then just real quick on Ty Howell, I think Franklin's assessment of him just not being, you know, that that like blow you away, being eloquent or whatever. Like that's my experience with him too. But clearly he knows what he's doing. Clearly he's a good position coach. And clearly he's authentic and connects on that level with parents and players as a recruiter. Uh, very good, Dusty. That'll be the last note for quarter number three. However, when we start quarter four, I do want to add on to uh, the Ty Howell comments because I, I, I think you're right. I, he's been very good, but I want to make one last point with that. We'll get that at the start of quarter number four. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. 
Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. He's Dusty. I'm Jim. We're going over some of the comments from James Franklin from last week's um, meet the media with the uh, Big Ten Media Days. And we were talking about both Deion Barnes and Ty Howe. And I just wanted to follow up on the uh, Ty Howe comments from you. It really could have come down to just this, Dusty. The proof is in the pudding. I mean, yeah. you go both recruiting, development, Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson, to Tyler Warren, to apparently Khalil Dinkins, yeah, to Andrew Rappelier, to Luke Reynolds, it, it's it's from one guy to another, and you see development. You see Brenton Strange have the kind of season he did last season. So there's development there. There's the recruiting there. This is why Ty Howe is still there, and Taylor Stubblefield is not. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, through through and through substance there. Uh, substance over style, which was what James Franklin was getting at, which anytime you have an offense, a former offensive lineman as a position coach, you're going to have substance over style and that, that sells, uh, it doesn't hurt. And, and this is again, just a, a second, uh, tight ends coach coming from this background, uh, being, you know, offensive line oriented, you want tight ends to block. Well, you have a former offensive lineman as their position coach. That will be a point of emphasis for them. Uh, and and again, like as you mentioned, um, you know what the uh, players that he's inherited, they've gotten better. Uh, and now you look at what they're doing on the recruiting front, uh, the development front with Khalil Dinkins, who we'll touch on momentarily. A lot of signs point to Ty Howe, who, as you mentioned, you know, a good observation when we talked about Deion Barnes, he was from a promoted from within. You know, and and that hire worked out great. Uh, bodes well for the Deion Barnes hire, but uh, good for him to be able to mention Ty Howe, not just as a great position coach, but as one of the better pure recruiters in the Big Ten, which, you know, he, he kind of mentioned this too. Like, it flies in the face of what you imagine it takes to be a good recruiter, which is very gregarious, can, can hold court in a room. Maybe that's not Ty Howe, but still, clearly, his messaging, what he has to say, uh, what he's presenting – and the, and the results that they've had at tight end, uh, it all adds up to a pretty good sales pitch. What he's selling, they're buying. And, you know, you mentioned uh, Khalil Dinkins. Well, it's impressive. You know, I sometimes, as I've done in this show, make fun of James Franklin and how he answers. And, you know, you got to read the tea leaves to figure out what he's really saying or what he really means. But one of the things that I've liked with James Franklin in these environments is, when he talks about a player and says, hey, watch for this guy, you better watch for that guy. It, it usually comes to fruition. And I'll be honest, Khalil Dinkins was not really on my radar at all 
as a guy to look out for. It just seemed like, okay, he's next in line at tight end. But James Franklin is telling us, look out for him. Yeah, and and it flies in the face. Like, it was not even a week where I went out of my way, and I've done this several times, of saying, look, that third tight end job is not won by any stretch of the imagination yet. Watch out for Andrew Rappelier. You know, it kind of like beats me over the head with how maybe wrong my assessment was. Now, like I've seen Cleo Dinkins. I, I, I've been impressed with, with just seeing him in limited action. Uh, there's a lot of information that we're not gathering that, that they're getting behind the scenes that we don't see. Clearly, you know, when James Franklin talks about him, he did not just throw out there. Yeah, Khalil's got a shot. He went on and on and on. And I think that's one of the things like when James Franklin goes on and on and on uh, with the sell, it's not a selling point. It's the truth. And there are expectations for Khalil Dinkins, you know, for him to say how big he is, how strong he is and how fast he is, that combination of things. Uh, And to say that uh, maybe, uh, you know, by the, by this middle third of the season, we're talking about Khalil Dinkins as a breakout guy. You know, none of this was lip service. You know, there's a real belief clearly within the Lash building that Khalil Dinkins can have a big year. And there's also, uh, it, there's an established routine here where the third tight end can have a big year. So, you know, Khalil Dinkins, if, if he's as good as James Franklin says and expects, uh, not only is that, wow, you've got a three tight end group that maybe doesn't lose much, if anything, from last year's group, but you also have, insurance like if Theo Johnson is dinged up or something again they've they've got a good they've got good quality dynamic depth there so I was like I was really blown away by not just him saying good things about Khalil Dinkins but how many good things he had to say about him I think this is absolutely for real yes and I think we've learned that over time from James Franklin I appreciate hearing that I think it bodes well for the tight end position. And as we mentioned, we're both, we've talked about uh, Andrew Rappelier. We can't wait. He's a true freshman just coming in that we're excited about. And then lo and behold, Luke Reynolds, who's not even going to be here till next year, we've started to become excited about him. So yes, Ty Howe, pat on the back to you. The pipeline is strong. And, you know, if you were to have, like, I'm I'm no less of a believer in Andrew Rapier just because of what James Franklin had to say about Khalil Dinkins. Maybe, maybe the freshman's not really a factor for that third tight end job, but it is another established piece of depth. Like, if you have somebody go down, then you, you may, then you can throw the true freshman into duty. Or if it's, if, or if Jerry Cross beats him out, that's a feather in his cap, too. Uh, you you probably have a really talented, uh, pretty ready fourth tight end as well, no matter which one of them it is. And speaking of players that uh, James Franklin gave a shout out to, how about Adisa Isaac? Yeah, uh, he's easy to look past because you're so excited about what Chop Robinson is. You're so excited about what Denied Dennis Sutton can become and probably is going to become right away. Uh, you look beyond Adisa Isaac. And I think this was a good reinforcement that this guy is kind of a freak still. Uh, he Maybe he wasn't 100% week one last year, had a nice year, uh, but he is in position to have a big year and that you shouldn't get so caught up with you know the younger guys on the roster that you forget about him. Uh, so there was a nice reminder that 
um, you know, Adisa Isaac can and probably will have a big year. Probably is going to be not a first round pick, I would imagine, but probably a, a pretty good, solid NFL draft pick. And then he used the Adisa Isaac um, talking point to to kind of share just philosophy about defensive end. I don't think this was earth shattering, but it is food for thought, I guess, about the the idea being two hundred and fifty plus pounds, and that yes. You want your guys to be explosive and to have good bend and to be able to, you know, speed rush and get to the quarterback. But you also have to remember that these guys have other responsibilities and that being big and strong without losing speed allows you to play the run better. And that, you know, you're looking for the guys who are 250 plus pounds at defensive end, which Adisa Isaac is now. Uh, James Franklin also talked about uh, Olu Fashionu that he gained 20 pounds and all his testing numbers have improved. Uh, he mentioned that he tried to talk him into going to the NFL last year. Let me do a little more coach translation for you, Dusty. Yeah. This is what James Franklin really meant. We are so fortunate to have him back. Yeah, and if he wasn't tired from doing cartwheels about the Michigan State game <laughs> in Detroit, uh, he would be doing cartwheels uh, again, talk about Olu. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's the that's the initiative of your strength and conditioning staff is to be able to get bigger and faster at the same time. You know, that's their job to do that. But it does kind of bring out like, man, he is probably going to be better this year. He's 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 got he better physically. He's better. You know, he's 20 pounds heavier and he's faster and stronger. You know, that's a good thing. Um, you know, and I think it just shows like, you know, money, money is a motivator for a lot of, of kids, but, you know, to stick around for a fourth year to, to finish off the degree, that was clearly important to Olu and his family. And Penn, Penn State very much benefits from that. I think there was a side benefit here uh, of it looking like Penn State had the ingredients to make a real run in 2023. If Penn State stunk, if they were losing everybody, I think there's a good chance that Olu would say, hey, you know, if you, I'll work on my degree, you know, uh, as pa- Penn State Satellite Campus or whatever. I'll get it done. During the offseason, yeah. Yeah, but the fact that it could be a win-win and he could be better prepared, like it doesn't hurt him to have more um, game experience and more game film out there, especially if he's dominant as he, as he could be. Um, but James Franklin was, you know, really kind of, when he's talking about Olu Fashionu, talking about, hey, he's in better position to be a better NFL draft prospect. He's also in better position to have an even even better year for us. So you have to think about the present as well as the future and thinking about, okay, Olu could be better uh, as an offensive tackle strictly from a college standpoint. I just want to point out no one, no one pointed at me when I gained 20 pounds and said I was bigger and better. Anyway, moving on. Um... Bigger, yes. <laughs> Balder, Sure. Better? Better? Probably not. Probably no. not. <laughs> uh, of course, NIL also came up in the conversation. And, you know, there's always a talk. Penn State's a bit behind. And I think there's a bit of a – I just wanted to speak on this for a moment, uh, Dusty, because I think there is a bit of a cultural thing at Penn State with NIL that Penn State fans are not, you know, thrilled by, excited about it. But it is the reality – but it led me to think about sometimes when James Franklin talks about these unpopular issues with the fans, he's like the parent giving us our medicine. You know, it's like the upgraded facilities and uh, better salaries for assistant coaches and all of those kind of things. 
as much as Penn State fans may not like to hear it, that's our medicine we got to take if we want Penn State to take the next step. And I don't think there's any better way to sell that notion to the fan base and saying, hey, do you want us to keep with the, compete with Ohio State or not? This is another facet of the competition. You don't got to love it, but it's what we're here to do. And this is another f- aspect of the program that we've got to grow. And it's a challenge, but everybody's got to get on board with this challenge. You know, and then there's a, there's a role for everyone in this. I think he's selling it the right way. I don't think he's selling it as he's jumping for joy because it's another responsibility that he's got. Uh, but he, I think he's selling it well to the fan base. Uh, and I think he's got somebody in Pat Kraft. And I think that this would be another cartwheel situation when he was hired because Pat Kraft wants the football program to be great. And he will aggressively advocate for all things that pertain to that, including NIL, uh, including, you know, fundraising for upgrades and, and meeting all these different benchmarks that James Franklin believes that they need to meet in order to be that competitive. He's got somebody in Pat Kraft who can be a really good extension of himself. There's no doubt Pat Kraft seems to be that guy, Dusty. All right, that is it. The final word. We're done with the fourth quarter, done with our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you come back next time for the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.